0: Good afternoon, Deep. It's great to be able to do this with you. I've been privileged to have worked with you, so I'm glad to be recording this podcast with you. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Amit, to get a chance to chat, and I think it might be our first recorded chat.
0: I think I think that's true. So <laughs> hey, welcome to the primetime chat. So it's been an incredible journey with make my trip, right? And you started early 2000. So can you talk a little bit about the early days, right? A lot of our listeners are early stage startups. So what were some of the ups and downs? I know there's lots of stories, but I sure. you talk about it.
1: Yeah, no, uh, with pleasure. It's been 16 years. And it doesn't seem like 16 for sure 16. Like when you think of the number 16, it's a good chunk of your lifetime. But then when I look back, hey, I remember most of the stuff quite vividly. And I've kind of believe in the maxim that you know if it feels like it's been much shorter that means you had a good time if it feels like it's been oh my god it was 16 years feels like 30 that means you didn't have such a good time. So 16 for me somewhere probably in my own mind break them up into three phases and we'll talk about them and it probably feels uh, closer to 10 than to 16 for sure. I mean I can't say it feels like five years. No. So I think early days was a very interesting ride. It was definitely very choppy. The term roller coaster truly describes it well because when I quit GE and I had an idea to set up an internet business I actually was agnostic to the vertical. I was open to quite a few and my thinking then was whatever is being transacted on the phone today and this is way back in 2000 in India is most likely to move to the internet so it kind of stood to reason you know at that time e-commerce didn't do well because people still wanted to touch feel see build the confidence and even then while I believe the internet will change our lives I got exposed to it both personally and professionally at GE and I was thinking of online travel and I was thinking of online stockbroking and the only reason I took online travel was it seemed to be more fun and perhaps the heart reason was more fun and the head reason was that it seemed to be something where I think an individual could be the karta darta whereas in online stockbroking for me it seem like a financial institution will be required to be the big boy behind this and in fact if you see some of the ventures out there that's not entirely incorrect of course things have changed a lot from 2000 2016. So I got funded on a business plan I had very little money that time and put all of that in but I got funded by eVentures. The first year was a dream start really got the funding built a team April 1 we started All Fool's Day and by October 7th we launched our site which at that point of time the big goal was that hey our mission is to be the defining portal for people to travel to to India from India within India You know, happy to say that's still kind of true, which is kind of weird, because most of the time it doesn't get true. Of course, there were many details in that plan, which I laugh at whenever I read the original plan. Company was called India Hoy then. Make My Trip to Brand only came on when we launched. And India Hoy, we still keep, as you probably know, as our inbound brand for travel. So we realized, uh, willy nilly, that people in India were looking but not booking. So we're getting very, very poor conversion rate, and people weren't comfortable dropping their credit card online. This is pre anyone else doing commerce in India, pretty much. But the same folks, or our brethren, our cousins, our NRI friends, etc. They were booking online and we were getting much better conversion. And because they were comfortable already with brands like Amazon and Expedia, etc. So I think one of the best decisions in hindsight was to stop all marketing in India within three months of launch. We just said we tried New Year's. We did something crazy even back then. We did a charter flight to Goa in 2000, 2001. You know the guys here. So this was obviously KU's brainchild, and we tried. So I'm glad we did, and we learned a lot. Marketing, but we kept the site going, and so the brand kept on growing organically but we didn't do any marketing and again in hindsight a great decision because all the other 19 travel.coms at that time they've all perished so there was net to travel travel genie all well-funded travel lands are travel mart india there were just so many names and they didn't survive because everyone just kept pouring more money into a market which wasn't ready so it's like if that land is fundamentally not fertile you can put as much of irrigation chemicals you can jack out of it that's what was happening
0: So that's a very tough decision for an entrepreneur to make, which is when do you persist and say, no, 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 it's just we haven't got marketing right or there's demand but it's latent or what have you, as opposed to saying, no, this is not fertile or timing is not right. How do you get back?
1: I have to be honest, when you're in the zone, when you're in the moment, I don't think anything is that clear. As we all know, these are all data points and they're all fuzzy at that point. And when you step back or rather when you look back now and you say, oh my God, the writing was on the wall. The reality is you're so close to the wall, you can't read the writing because I mean, the writing makes sense when you step back. So I think somewhere you've got to just have it in you to step back and to say, listen, money is not infinite. Even then, we were very clear that we would get an extra million, by the way, from eVentures if we met certain targets. So we said, let's be smart. And I think just being fundamentally analytical by nature helped. So we said, yeah, we're putting money here. ROI kya hai. You know, for us, it was always about ROI. And you've seen that you spent four years with us. Even now, now we're just more micro about it. And we now calculate the ROI of a keyword. At that time, we calculated the ROI of a channel or of a medium. So I think that clearly said bottom of the stack each time on ROI was in India, nothing was working, but India abroad and newspaper sites being seen by US IPs was working. So the same reason we tried UK and had to shut it. We tried Australia and had to shut it for inbound. So we tried a lot because then we said, let's do everything inbound. But those markets had other nuances which weren't ripe for long haul travel and make money, consolidators. So UK, India, direct flight market, very different because there's hardly any play and there are bucket shops out there. That's a market where people go to South and buy a ticket for 5 quid, 10 quid market so what disruption will you do? So what happened in 2001, after one year that honeymoon was over, almost a year, a little bit more. So I guess 9-11 for us was really the alarm bells because 9-11 meant a lot of our customers didn't want to get onto a plane. I mean, they were scared of flying after that. And we all know who've lived through that. The 9-11 changed the world and you were you were probably in the US that time and, you know, it was crazy. And dot-com bust, the kind of ripples hit the Indian shores. So it had started in 99-2000. Sanjeev Bhikchanani tells me they were the second last company to get funded in India and we were the last in that way. So I guess we got lucky. And then the dot-com bust meant none of these guys wanted to invest in internet plays at all. Definitely not in India. So they gave us an offer, e-Ventures. And then to top it off, by the way, SARS happened around the same time. So those who had to come, they were So then these guys, e-Ventures, wanted their money back. They said, we can't fund you anymore. And Niraj was very decent about it. He said, listen, we believe in you. And I think they lived up to it because whichever of them was able to fund in personal capacity, because the fund folded up, they actually funded us as angel funding. So both Sandeep and Anu Neeraj, the guy who really believed in it, wasn't allowed to because he was then with WNS and Travelocity was a client and his legal forbade him. And I had a good laugh because I said, us and, you know, even being compared with Travelocity was flattering. We just see how crazy the world is. Absolutely. You know, last year, Travelocity yeah. was sold for a song, like virtually for nothing, 200 million bucks, right. which was also actually their liabilities. So the world really moves fast in our business. So then I think we came to the biggest decision, which was at that point of time, should we make a fight of the... This, figure out a way of carrying on or should we just call it quits? We had a good team. We had five, six VPs besides myself and we've bought 42 guys used to work right through weekends, Saturdays, Sundays. That time I remember distinctly. So I spoke to the senior guys internally and a couple of them, K.U.R. and Sachin wanted to make a fight of it with me and the others weren't sure and they had responsibilities. And the rule was, listen, a fight of it meant senior guys will take big cuts. Like I think we said minimum 25%, maximum 100. And I said, I'll take a 100% cut, but guys take whatever you can and we'll convert it into deferred equity obviously so someday this equity will be very valuable kind of thing was the pitch but junior guys we said no cuts but no raises expected and guys we've got enough money for two three months that's it it was true for very very long for an extended period of time i think for 18 months we just had two three four months worth of expenses with us so we're very close i mean we weren't dead but i always wanted to keep that cushion because at some point if we had to say it's over i wanted to be able to pay people a couple of months salary till they found another job and i think amit what kept us going so firstly on saturday i told everyone guys this is the story we met in our little dining hall in oklah phase one and this is the story it's tough times the ventures pulling out we will find a way to buy them cheap that you leave to me but you have to take your personal decision monday all you gotta do is tell me if you're in or out no questions asked as luck would have it a lot of guys had to duck out including some heavyweights which kind of helped because the ship became lighter the boat became lighter so we could float as you know it's all about staying alive then and we shrunk to half our size i think we shrunk to just about 24 people from 42 and two senior guys besides me me agreed to take cuts and then in fair earnest became co-founders because they put in as much as I did and put their money where their mouth was. So we really slogged for the next two years. We moved to a mezzanine where I kid you not, if I raised my hands, I touched the ceiling. If I put them astride and I kind of swung a bit, I touched the sides. It was a long, we called it a railway bogey. And Sachin Kur and I sat at the far end and it was so close. If we swiveled around together, our knees would touch. We had a tiny TV to watch cricket, but you know we made a fight of it and we stuck on with the US-India markets. The same market, I think, was very inelastic. It kept us going because people were not traveling for leisure. This was, as you know, homecoming, kids were being born, parents were sick, there were deaths, there were whatever. So there was travel back and forth. And we became the well-known brand out there. Part call center, one india 10 part online. And we said whatever it takes. So literally, at that time, we got a contract from e-bookers, to set up their back office out here and I just lapped it up and these guys said, what are you doing? I said, you don't realize I'm seeing money. You know, I will spend half my time there. We will get money for the company and we earned, I think, some 70, 80 lakhs out of it, which kept us going. So yeah, it was quite crazy, but we came out of it in 2003, got angel funded by an NRI customer who actually liked what we did, came here and actually gave us I think 150K. And then in my CA's friend who used to do bird safaris in Bharatpur and still does, Raj Singh, he gave us another 200K and we said, what's going on? But well, people obviously like And then in 2005, I think fundamentally big change. So first tough phase over was when we decided to relaunch in India. We realized we would need more money for that. We couldn't do it on our own. We want to build a brand out here. And this time, so I did eat humble pie because I had sworn to myself, I won't take VC money. Again, after my first experience, but we found great VCs. We had term sheets from Westbridge, then now Sequoia and Safe Partners. For multiple reasons, we chose to go with Safe. And I think it's been an amazing partnership. They're still investors. They still own, I think, you know, 12, 13% of the company. And they've been just the best, Ravi and the team. And so I think the next chapter was 05 till 10. about the time just after that you came on we IPO'd in 2010 which was a big high but it was frenetic growth so in 05 when we launched India we were about I think 20 million in Ross bookings and 2 million in revenues and when we IPOed, we were almost 500 million in revenues, 400 going to 600, and about 40 going to 60. So we grew 25x in those five years. First, frenetic growth. It was really great. We had a clear path to profitability. The year after IPO, we made 10 million dollars, which was great. The actual profit. And sadly, after that, Kingfisher went bust, and the whole airline industry shrunk. Went through a lot of change, you know. And then the phase has been both organic as well as some very interesting, I guess, stuff. We've done investments, but also I think the ability post an IPO. Or to use your currency very wisely has helped us a lot or to have currency you can use. So even yesterday someone asked me was it the right thing to launch overseas? I said, absolutely. We would rather do it overseas. Quality of investors, how much you learn, the credibility you get into and then how you can use your stock. And so, yeah, it's been uh, quite a journey. <laughs>
0: Great. You know, it's phenomenal. I think it's yeah. several lifetimes in one. So since you mentioned IPO, if you reflect on the Make My Trip IPO and you see a lot of these late stage companies now sort of seemingly shying away from IPOs or on the flip side, maybe having access to large amounts of private capital, how would you yeah. kind yeah. of advise them if you were advising one of them and how should you think about it?
1: Correct. No, and you called it out already, Amit. So I think the reason some very big companies who scaled up are not going public is, and not only in India, by the way, overseas, as Actually, you know, so whether it's Uber or Airbnb and they just, keep hearing about it's going to be the biggest IPO, and they're not because of the depth of the private market. So earlier on, you couldn't even think of, dream about raising half a billion dollars privately, a billion dollars privately. That's happening in China for Christ's sake, I mean, you know, Meituan I think raised some $3 billion. So you can raise so much in the private space as well as promoters are managing to get part liquidity. So investors are being pragmatic and said, listen, let's defer this. Let's not come under the scrutiny. Also why it's happening, the scrutiny thing, because people are going through a period where they're saying they're spending a lot of money to acquire, at least India and China. So they're saying this may or may not be well received in the public markets. You know, I tell a lot of young entrepreneurs who are actually, or younger companies, the other day I was talking to one of the best, I think, enterprise companies from India looking to go out and they are talking about an IPO and I was sharing our story and whatever I could share with them openly. And I said, think very hard why you want to IPO. So I asked her, why do you want to IPO? And I remember one of our VCs asked us this question on our board table once, he said why do you want to an IPO and I was like kind of quizzed by it. why would you ask such a question isn't it obvious now it was obvious to me and obvious to us because I remember Rajesh and I having a frank chat and Keoghan saying listen we want to IPO and that does mean we did go in with eyes open it does mean that we don't get a full exit we might get as promoters you'll get some money off the table investors get the full exit but you actually getting teed up for the next phase of growth and so you have to be very clear for that do you still have juice in your tank or are you done so if you want to cash out then you should sell but if this is is what you love doing and you can't see beyond this and you say the agenda is not over yet I still have something to do then the IPO is very very important so I think the IPO is truly base camp if you're planning to scale Everest to any peak, or yeah, any peak, exactly. If you want to scale the summit, it's basically, so it gets you ready, it gives you everything, and then after that, you still got to go ahead. So, I think people should think hard about it. There are many guys who are quite open with the fact and saying, hey, I want to do multiple companies, or folks will say, listen, no, I'm done, and I want to maybe turn VC, like you, Amit, or there'll be people who'll say, I'm ready for the social sector, I want to start giving back. So, I think you got to be very clear of what you want to do, and I find most people aren't, including myself, I think, till I don't soul search a lot and when I did I said no I really think the best is yet to come and if I get done with this do I want to turn VC no I had a good offer from two very dear VC friends to join them and I said no I don't think that's what I want to do I enjoy doing this and when I'm done with this I think I want to then focus on hopefully giving back but the job's not done yet so I think you have to be clear so that's it it comes with It's a big high. I don't think there's been a bigger financial high for the company. I still get goosebumps. A few days ago was our sixth year anniversary and someone posted the video and saying, oh my God, like I was actually just hearing it and saying, and I'm not one who ever listens to my own videos, but that was our video i seeing so many of our guys who are still with us and so many who have left and what I'd like to add is it's also a great exit for a lot of folks if you've been generous with your ESOP and pool and I wish more and more entrepreneurs are 70% of our company was covered by the ESOP when we did. So when we got that pop from 14 bucks listing price to 90% up on day one, that was awesome for people. So yeah, it's, it's been a good ride.
0: Oh, wonderful. So where all do you think Serendipity, luck As you've said The highs and lows right Mm -hmm. You know 9-11 SARS Funding No funding Survival etc So do you think that There were some critical points In the journey Where some positive things Happened and suddenly You know things went From being very dark To like wow You've talked about some of these
1: Yeah and you know I'd like to say I don't believe in luck Because I still think It's a probability game And I believe everyone Has the same probability But it comes down To how many doors You knock on So really I mean If the probability of success Is 10 or 20% For let's say new venture You probably know this better than me, but it's probably five or 10%. But if you're going to knock on five doors, meaning you're going to try five times really hard, nothing might open or work. But if you try 10 times, the probability is 10% and almost 100% chance that one door will open. So I think you've got to just keep trying. You've got to be dispassionate about experiments. You've got to be ready to move away if they haven't worked. You know, the famous AB platform. And we finally have one which kicks ass now. And we try the stuff all the time and we test stuff all the time. But that being said, were there turning points which were planned or unplanned and happened? Absolutely. So I have to say there is some element of kismet, luck, destiny in the kind of people I met. So you know this better than most people. And I talk about this wherever I get the opportunity that I don't think I could have done this without a great team. You got to again be out there in the hiring. It was to be out there looking at everyone and spending good time and figuring out what you want and making things work. See, no no one's going to be a perfect fit. This is not a jigsaw puzzle. So you're not going to find that perfect piece and say, ah, I'm done. Everyone's going to have rough edges. You're going to do chiseling, they're going to do chiseling, and you're going to do, I think, as the role as CEO, as founder. You have to be that gel that kind of makes it work. You also have to be that magnet that attracts people. And yeah, even now when I really want to hire someone I'm selling, just like I think it's easier to get investment than to get good people because there's so many choices. But there is something where I'm blessed that I had these guys because otherwise I think we would be the 20th travel.com that didn't make it. So
0: Wonderful. no, I think you're being very modest. So one more question on this before we wrap up which is how much time did you consciously spend on culture and thinking about culture, right? There's hiring, getting the right team, chiseling both ways. There's the business, the the transactions. How about the culture, right? Because Make My Trip has, I think, one of arguably the best cultures in the country and I've worked for another company, Google, which has a phenomenal culture. So how much was deliberate? Again, focusing more on early stage right sure, the first two sure. three four years sure. as opposed to kind of happened sure. right or it's a part of your personality and sure. that's what's reflected
1: no it's wonderful to get external validation about this one thing all the time we love hearing this because when i think you were here when we got that great places to work award first year and we were like boom number two number three number two, two number, number ten two. i
0: remember I was yeah and the trophy two and,
1: and, and then we were number room. three and then we are number seven and he's saying wow and you know i don't think we were doing anything going out of the way so i think there's something on the personality i is just something innate and I believe that the culture is a reflection of the key people in the company. I won't even say founder, I just say leadership because always percolates top-down. Culture is not something which comes uh, bottom-up so easily because when a youngster joins a company, you're just coming in and you know, you're wide-eyed and you're looking everywhere and you're a little nervous on what to do because culture is also about a thing like, hey, so what do we do for lunch out here? Can I eat on my desk? And you know, there are things you can't even ask. Can I just leave early today or do I need to tell someone? Hey, is it cool to be like laughing loudly where we are on the corridor or, you know, how do I chat with the founders? This is all culture, right? Absolutely. So you got to lead by example. You got to say that, listen, we want to be this open culture and actually demonstrate it. We are only interested in the quality your work we expect as hygiene factors certain things so your commitment your integrity etc etc is hygiene We will take no nonsense and walk the talk, and I think lead by example. And then for other things, you got to actually put it out there and say, you can cut across and work with teams. So, like a thing like review, you remember in our reviews, at one time there would be small groups. Then I think I was always pushing for larger groups and larger groups, and people would say, but you know, confidential stuff. And I said, we can't trust our people, we can't trust anyone. But the idea is, I remember when I joined my first job, ABN AMRO, or when I joined G Capital, the biggest learning is by osmosis. And I learned so much from some of my seniors there, both in ABN and in not so much in AMF because I was the head of the company here, but my boss was in the US. But in these companies, I learned so much by just being around these people, seeing how they function, particularly in crisis and tough times, good times. Now, when will this youngster out of college, couple of years, get the opportunity to literally see how Amit and Rajesh and Deep and others conduct themselves? What is the discussion that happens in a review? And when you talk about new ideas. If he's a bright spark, then he'll pick it up and he'll say yeah this is the behavior which is expected so I think it's a lot to do with your personal way and the culture you want to build without even calling it necessarily a code of ethics or code of conduct no it's the way it's meant to be so it's almost like so what do you do at home when your kids grow up and when your kids become teenagers you have a few years to go you realize they don't want to it's a very painful realization they don't want to spend as much time with you as you want to with them so that flip happens somewhere around 10 before 10 they want to cling on to you every time and sometimes you say can I get a little bit of time I just want to sleep or i want to work i want to see football the guy says no i want to see in so that changes and it's a very painful realization that suddenly the kid is saying yeah okay do i have to come down for dinner and you want to whack the kid and say what do you have to come down for dinner and then you realize that's not how you do it so you got to make dinner fun you got to so similarly you've got to make these things fun they got to get done so somewhere i think it's about how you do it and the signals you send out I do believe that everyone is watching uh, the seniors and so you've got to really, really, I think, conduct yourself in the right way and give the right signals and lead by example and also encourage them. So one of the best things I think people can do is when things go wrong, I mean, not start laughing and celebrating it, but to understand why, but to take a very measured approach and say, at least we tried, because then the message you sent is guys, don't stop trying once when you're good of course you'll get celebrated but imagine if you come down really heavy on a guy and the project has failed and we had some so let's talk about route planner you know one of your babies and you had these four guys who worked on it It took a long time we got it out there and we were so excited we still talk about as probably the smartest thing we've done but we still haven't managed to monetize it now the little point in beating up people because they actually built probably our most complex piece of software ever. So similarly, we talk about it each time saying, yeah, build stuff like this. We actually, this weekend have a hackathon coming up and you'll see it at And again, the whole idea is to get people to, you know, build something and not stop building and saying, okay, listen, let's just do the right thing. Let's save my ass. If you get up, if you have that culture, people are only batting to save their wicket, then you're screwed in this business. You know, in this business you'll be left so far behind, as you know, so we want people to play on the front foot get out while hitting a six but please aim to hit a four or a six wonderful
0: one last question deep if you yourself deep Kalra, were to give advice to the deep Kalra that was 21 years old Mm -hmm. what advice would you give
1: so at 21 literally uh, just picking it up is when i graduated from college and i was going into my mba however crazy it sounds i think i would have said work two years where you can learn and go to your mba what you will take and learn from that MBA will be much more. If I cut forward 23, it took me a long time to figure out what I love doing. So I joined banking because it's a done thing to do. But had I worked before, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have joined banking. I would have had a better idea of what goes on. So I think there's a lot of value to what good American colleges insist that you do, which is before you go for your, what we call post-grad or graduate there, is that you've actually worked so that you understand where this applies. So yeah, I think tumbled into a few things without thinking just doing the right thing, I mean, you can't fault someone taking IMA. But today I would say defer it, work a bit, go in there. Are you taking up a job because the done thing, or is it something you love doing? So I think I probably should have started my company not at 30, but at 26. But then again, I don't believe in having too many regrets, except the one you know I've said many times I wish I could code. Instead of having, what, our 12th CTO, we might have not needed to have so many changes, but that's on a lighter note.
0: Wonderful, Deep. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks again. Likewise.
1: Likewise. Great chat, yeah. We should, instead of this good-looking mic, we'll do it with a good-looking bottle of wine next time. Absolutely. All right. Thanks.
0: Thanks.